because I was trying to manage it. What we're doing here is there's a mix. Some of the people here are in some they are engaged in what what's loosely called Advaita, which is non-duality, which means that let's say all there is is consciousness or awareness, or there's nothing, there's no two-ness. Okay. It appears as two, it appears as me and the other, but in fact that's just an appearance, yes? And so there's a mix in AA because what we're saying now is that we don't believe, well, what I'm saying is I don't believe that the root of the problem is obsession with self. It's identification as self. And in most non-duality views, that's sort of the quote-unquote dilemma. We're identified as something that we're not. Yes, that throws us into a world of interpretation that's confusing us and causing us to be unconscious of what we really are, which is that awareness that's illuminating our lives right now. And that confusion isn't had by a self, it's caused by thinking you're a self. Yeah. The story of a self would be, I, I am confused, as if it has confusion, but selfing is the confusion. Because the selfing confuses a situation where you don't see that you're the clear light. You see that you're an object that appears in that clear light, this body. And you take this to be you. And in that taking this to be you, the clear light of awareness is forgotten, in a sense. It just gets used to really illuminate this object all day and all the thoughts about it. Yeah. And in that illumination of this, there's the forgetfulness of that. And there is no this or that, obviously, but it seems like that in selfing. So we become unconscious to the fact that we're consciousness, and then the shenanigans begin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that dilemma creates a lot of problems here for us. And so we seek solutions, but where we seek solutions is the problem itself, which is in the thinking. So, obviously, if you apply a solution to an imaginary problem, because there is no thing called a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, you're not, this body is not what's perceiving. What's looking out of our heads is what's perceiving, and it's not a form, and it's not a name, it's, a, it's consciousness. Yes? That's what's perceiving. But we've taken ourselves to be conscious, and... <coughs> You probably noticed in this place of this world, if you think you can be conscious, you can also think you can be unconscious. Yeah. If you feel like you can feel can be connected, you can feel like you're unconnected. And that's the dilemma. Because options arise where there's actually no option. All there is is consciousness. There's no option about that. In fact, it's choiceless. There's no you to have to choose to be aware of consciousness or not. There's the ever present demonstration of the awareness of consciousness, because you wouldn't know the thoughts or the feelings you were having unless there was awareness already. You wouldn't be aware of them. You wouldn't note them. You wouldn't notice how bad it was for you today as an action figure, or how good it was for you today as an action figure without the light. So the light or the awareness is the constant factor in this world that we call up and down and yes and no and high and low and connected and disconnected. But there is one basic denominator that we're not being aware of. Because we're trying to be aware of, of it as a Paul, yeah? 
I think I want to become aware of it, but I am that awareness. You see the difficulty? See, if I'm identified as this, and I'm assuming this is what's aware, then I'll say, oh, I, as this, want to become aware of the truth. But the truth is not an object to me. The truth is what I am. So I can never experience the truth, but I can experience everything from the truth. I can never experience the truth because the truth is actually what I am. It's not a topic or a goal that I, as this action figure, can achieve. It's when the action figure is seen not to be you, you plop right into the truth. And it becomes evident and obvious that it was always so. There was no doing or having necessary to come upon it. There was just waking up out of the dream of being a self, and there it was. Because it's the illuminating factor of all the dreams of being a self. Without that awareness, without that light, you wouldn't, I wouldn't know all the intricacies that my mind is presenting as Paul. <laughs> there would be no way to uh, entertain them because I wouldn't see them without the, that quality of seeing, which is the basis of existence here. Existence is, the, is based on the seeing of it. You know? So... AA, that's the dilemma. You're identified as something that you're not. It causes you to be irritable, restless, and discontent. Then you seek relief for it, but you seek relief for it at the dictates of the problem. Therefore, the, the light becomes unmanageable because you manage it. The solution, the problems get worse because you're trying to solve them. Yeah? And so on and so forth. And you're driven to have to get relief. So you drink and use. Other people have a different conditioning in their selfing. They, they're driven to shop or to act out sexually or to spend money they don't have or to do whatever. Yes? It's just the same drive. There's an irritability, restlessness, and discontent you become aware of. And then the mind, thinking it's, it is you, decides it's the manager of that and says, all right, this is what you need to do to get relief. Go get loaded. Yeah? Now, maybe you'll get a five-second relief, but the consequences <laughs> of that five-second relief may draw your attention for months and months later. You may have to go to court. You may have to do this. You may have to pay alimony. You know, you had the girlfriend. Now you're up on stalking charges, and things like that happen. So the <laughs> shit hits the fan, and you're, you're the one who has to clean up the shit. Yes. All for five minutes of relief. You get seven months of drudgery and bureaucracy and having to take your analysis or something. This is what happens in this world. Selfing is, seeming, is believing it's running the show, and it runs a lousy show. Produces a lot of refuse and garbage. Your body becomes a storage unit for all these old feelings and thoughts that have never been dealt with. All the grudges and sorrows and this and that. And in sense, all life is about being a verb. And you become a noun, you know, Steve or Paul, this body. And this noun can never ident never recognize the essence of verbing. It can't recognize being anymore because it's not a being in a sense. It's a thought. It's an object, yes? It has no life until you believe in it. Then it seems to have your life. But it does no life of its own. But the beingness is always being demonstrated in just the simple fact of being consciously in contact with this place. Yeah? I have to have, for me to see, there must be light. Yeah? I have to have the ability to see. So what causes me to think I have dilemmas, thoughts? Yes. What tells you you had a bad day? 
Your head, yeah. What tells you they're out to get you? Your head. How, how can you see the head's thoughts unless you were light? They would never have been noted. You'd be like, you'd be, you wouldn't know what was going on. So this is just trying to, instead of going ahead and trying to find a great way to deal with the problems that this cause keeps producing, you know, how to manage the effects better, yeah, without ever dealing with the cause, we're attempting just to turn the direction of our attention instead of outwardly seeking relief from this unbearability, but towards the unbearability and questioning it. And when you question it, you'll see that it's nothing really there, yeah. And if there's nothing there, you fell, you fell upon your true identity, in a sense. Your true nature is what you would call that nothingness of awareness. Because it's not a name or a form, and your, your constructed head doesn't seem to recognize it. It calls it empty and nothing. And what is that? I don't see anything. But that's the seeing, the quality of seeing. Like the eye can never see itself, but the quality of seeing is available. So... I found the greatest relief I ever got from that identification of self was to realize I wasn't self. Simple as that. Everything else was just managing its effects. And the the easiest way I find, because some teachers will talk about just all there is is this conscious contact, and that's fine in a way. But for someone who's in that selfing, seemingly in that selfing, I find a really nice way is to at least begin with the idea the thoughts that you're having aren't yours. Yes? Because let's say that there's a thought. A thought is just a thought. But if you add the word my in front of it, the my thought, it adds meaning to it, doesn't it? So if you see money appear and sex and sex and you look at it, they, a certain meaning comes up in you. But I can change it dramatically by adding this word my, my money. A big story ensues, doesn't it? My sex, especially if you're not having any. A big story ensues. My sex again, a real big story ensues. So there's the word thought, sex, money, sex, but it's the my that infuses it with meaning. It's the identification as it. So most no- thoughts are, noticed, are being noticed as my thoughts, yeah? So thoughts are going on, seeing, and right underneath what you can see are two old ideas, which is, I'm the thinker of those thoughts, or they're about me. So if I meet someone who's now in that condition, and they share their thoughts with me, I have immunity to their thoughts, yeah? Because they're your thoughts. And I can have a great amount of wisdom about your thoughts, I can be like Solomon. I can tell you a very, give you very good advice about your thoughts. But at the same time, the same thoughts could be running through my noggin, and if they're being held as my thoughts or about me, I have absolutely no wisdom about them. I think they're great ideas. I'm not going to really share it with anyone, but I'm just thinking, you know, this is an incredibly good idea. I just noticed the same idea in your head is incredibly insane, but in my head it seems very, very genius-like. Why is that? Why? Because the thought isn't what's giving me the meaning. The my is what's giving the thought the meaning. In other words, you and I have a quality here that we give meaning to things. How do we give meaning to things? 
by being in relationship to them. Yeah? So if I have a thought and I'm in relationship to that thought as mine or, or I'm the, like the thinker of it or it's about me, uh, this thing, this system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, everyone has it, not just people with trouble with alcohol and drugs and everything like that. Everyone is at dis-ease with this system of thinking, yes, and interpretation. This system is going to give, is going to inject its meaning to the thought. What, what calls that system and activates it is the my of the thought, because the my represents Paul, and Paul is just a giant filing system of a lot of old ideas representing self-centeredness. That's all it is. So there's the thought. The thought's happening. You're going to see a thought. It's just like if you're looking out the window, you'll see a bird fly by. You cannot stop seeing thoughts because you're awareness, yes? If something arises and it's called a thought, you're going to notice it if you're attending in that way, yeah? But what's happening, so there's the thought and there's the light illuminating it. That's that. The thought comes and it has any good information, it downloads and goes away. But you, with, when I call it my thought, it's sort of like a fly. You ever see a fly that gets caught in a room? The fly really wants to get out. It doesn't really have any intention of flying around the room, but the windows are sort of closed, so now it buzzes until it dies. Yeah? That's sort of that obsessive quality of thoughts. Yeah? Just can't stop thinking of it. Yeah? <laughs> Why? Because the my occurred. The my. So there's the thought, and then the my goes, this is my thought. I'm the thinker of it, or it's about me. Suddenly, a lot of meaning gets downloaded to that thought. Yes? Now that thought gets heavy. First of all, it's yours now. You've got to do something with it. If your head says, this is a bad thought, you may not want to share it. So you hide it. Yes? If it's a good thought, you may want to share it with someone. If it's a per perverse thought, you've got to put it away for a little while till you get home and look at the porno on the computer. Yeah? Whatever. There's going to be a lot of deciding what that thought means as soon as you inject all this meaning into it. And it's sort of like every thought, if you could see a thought as, that if it had weight, let's say a thought would weigh an ounce, yeah? And let's say you have 10,000 thoughts a day. In, in some research, they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day, or you see a lot of thoughts a day. Let's say you have 10,000 thoughts you see a day, and each one of them weighs an ounce. So that's 10,000 ounces that you've been traveling with. You're quite used to it. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like when you're walking up a hill you don't feel tired. You don't even know you have this baggage, actually. And you're pretty used to it. Yeah. You can take things, you walk around, walk into jobs and this and that, and not feel totally overwhelmed. But now, you put the word my on it, you inject it, and now it weighs a pound. Now you're walking around all day with 10,000 pounds. You're going to have the experience of being very heavy yes, during your day. And you're going to want relief, obviously. When it gets really heavy, you're going to be a seeker for relief. And let's say, okay, so now the heaviness is responded, a natural response, this is freaking heavy, I want relief. That relief message goes to the head, and the head is in the problem, called self-centeredness. So now the system that's causing the heaviness gives you the solution to it. <laughs> so there it is, there's the problem, that this, this system of self-centeredness produce, now it adds on to it by a solution. <laughs> so this looks like people will go home and go, i got to think about it. 
And he says, please don't. <laughs> they go into their little laboratory, and by the time, you know, they had one thought, when they, one problem when they went in, now they have 15 problems. <laughs> they don't see the magic of this. <laughs> so that's what's happening. What's all seeking is based on the heaviness that self-centeredness is producing in, on you as the apparatus. The self-centeredness doesn't want to give it up, yeah, because it loves itself, there's a cherishing of it, but it definitely has to try to deal with all the pollution it produces, yeah? So it has to dump it on people, usually your significant other, yeah? if you ever noticed. You'll pull your big truck up, and you wouldn't do this to a stranger, but, but you'll do it to your lover, or your husband, or your you know, wife. You'll get away with there. If someone comes in, you'll stop, but when you're alone with them, you'll be going crazy. Because you got to dump it somewhere. I mean, it becomes, you know, this becomes a storage unit, and it's, you've got to dump it. You've got to try to get rid of it. It's unbelievable, because your coping or your, your interface with life as a self just produces friction. Yes, because self doesn't go the way you want it to go. Self is just something that you have to ride with and accept. You cannot attempt to control or manipulate it. If you argue with it, you're going to lose when you argue with life. And we're just the expression of that losing, because we've been arguing with life for a long time. Not we, but selfing. But we're identified as selfing. Yeah, so selfing is a system of thought and interpretation. It's a verb. The mind is verbing it. There's no, it creates an illusion of a noun, usually because it sees itself as a body, only when it's necessary. When it doesn't want to see itself as a body, it doesn't. It sees itself as having a body or, you know, but it doesn't, but when it's necessary, it'll see this as its truth of being a noun, and therefore the verb, yeah, implies a noun. As soon as there's a noun, there's no realizing the true verb of being. You can't realize being, which is a verb, as a noun. You can't get the essence of it, because in that world of noun, there's no being. Everything's been frozen and separated and known and understood and figured out. That's the death of the verb. But being is sort of like something that you're just surrendered to, but not as a noun, because you're actually that verb. Yeah. The noun is just needs to be told the truth of, because it isn't. What's, cause, what's producing the idea of a noun is a verb called self-centeredness. It's verbing a noun, and we become identified as that noun, and then we get stuck with this great desire to know things, and you, you cannot know a verb as a noun. It's impossible. There's a lady who writes something I really like. I'm going to share it. I think I can find it today. She's a Christian myth mystic, so don't take that. Don't be offensive about that. This is pretty cool. So it says here, all right. So he says, when mind lives solely in the now moment, akin to the state of unknowing. So when the mind solely lives in the now moment, akin to the, the state of unknowing, it becomes incapable, the mind becomes incapable of disorder and confusion. 
In contrast, it is the continuous, unsettled movement of the mind in a state of knowing that is solely capable of giving rise to indecision, confusion, unreality, and so on. And the original knowing is knowing yourself as a body and as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's the original false knowing. That's the source of all confusion, all uncertainty, all unreality. Because you look at this moment and you immediately think you know better. There should be something else here. Or something's happening, quote-unquote, to you and you think it shouldn't be happening. Because... Why doesn't life know how special I am? There's always a sense of knowing that's the cause of all the disruption in your head, all the confusion, all the inability to just accept what's so. Because it's in the unknowing. The unknowing is the world of the verb. The knowing is the world of the noun. And all you're confronted with all day is verbs. And the noun gets very flipped out. Because it looks like a lot of verbs that you call life are happening to you. Yeah? Instead of just seeing life is happening, from the world of the noun, you see life is happening to me, because you'd have to be a noun for something to happen to. Yeah? How can a verb happen to a verb? You know, walking can't happen to running. <laughs> you know, all right, walking hit running, and then it's not. No. A verb can only be seen as something that's coming at me if I'm in a position of a noun. If it's coming at me, I have an opinion of it. I want it to come or I don't want it to come, which is the movement of mind called desire and aversion. Yes? It's all freaking simple. Everything that is given a direction has to be given a direction by a noun. Because all verbs have no direction in a sense. They're just doing what they're doing. Yes? And to me, that's the way of traveling lighter here. It's when you see yourself, not see yourself, but you see from the verb of being that we are, and the idea of being a noun is dismissed. What used to bother you probably won't bother you anymore because you won't see it as it's being done to you. Because the to you is a noun. You'll see it being done, but you won't take it personally. (laughs) And there's no work to do that. It's just a way of seeing, yes? And the same thing with the selfing. It's very difficult to wrestle selfing if you think it's you. But when you see it's not you, you'll immediately start losing interest in it. Literally. Just like if I'm here, like I say, there's someone I'm interested in is having a conversation in the other room. I'm really keen on trying to hear what they have to say because I'm hoping she'll say something about me so I'll know if she likes me or not or whatever. And I'd be in a room, and I'm supposed to be here doing something, but I'm not concerned with this. I just want to hear what that lady has to say. But as soon as I hear she's speaking about Matthew, my name's Paul, by the way. As soon as I hear she's speaking about Matthew, I lose interest in it immediately. Yeah? Why? It's not about me. That's exactly what happens. If you can entertain the idea of being a long and the idea is a noun, a noun, the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, which is the sense of being an individual entity, a body. If you can just question, I'm not saying deny it or affirm it, just entertain this little invitation that a lot of people have given it before, that you may not possibly be that, 
If you entertain that, it will loosen, it will start giving you an immunity to thoughts, which is how it gets reinforced all day. The obsession with self has a job, it's to reinforce the identification as self. Because the identification as self is not natural. It's a it's a false bonding, yes? You and this idea of being a body. It has to have a strong glue. Because it's not a natural coming together, it's a bonding. And that glue is the daily narrative with language in your head being called your thoughts and about you. That's what reinforces the identification every day. It's sort of like you've got your own hypnotist with you all the day, hypnotizing you again just to keep falling under the trance of believing you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a historical action figure. When that is held not to be you in any way you can, for me, it was really nice to see that the thoughts that were happening weren't my thoughts to begin with. And then the feelings I, quote, unquote, were having weren't my thought, my feelings to have. Yeah? And then the reactions that I did in life weren't my reactions to life. I had an easier for than a lot of people because I have a basic uh, strain of self-centeredness called addiction and alcoholism, which is just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. Everyone basically is in self-centeredness, yeah? But we are an extreme subdivision of it. We've got a, a nasty strain of the parasite <laughs> of self-centeredness. <laughs> and so when I went into recovery, people would get gathers like this, and they'd share their thoughts and their feelings and their reactions to life. And I was sitting in, in there with the sense of being terminally unique, like no one ever thought what I thought, no one ever felt what I felt, and no one possibly could ever understand me and all the heinous things that I have done. And I would listen for an hour, and I would be... <laughs> After a while, I could only come up with two conclusions. Either, how did they get all... How did everyone get my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions, or they're not mine? And that was one of the first major revelations where I got relief from selfing. Because I started to hold thoughts as alcoholic thoughts. That was the first step for me. After a while, I hold thoughts as just thoughts, yeah? But at first, instead of my thought, it was replaced with alcoholic thoughts. And I felt I traveled lighter with alcoholic thoughts than my thoughts. I didn't travel lighter with alcoholic thoughts when I was calling them mine. They were really fucking heavy. But when I recognized they were alcoholic thoughts and I was in recovery, I traveled a lot lighter with them than any thought I thought called mine. So that was a sort of a beginning. So then I just kept entertaining. And what occurred was... I started really questioning the sense of being this idea of a self, and I started to lose interest in it. And why? Because I learned and I realized that what, it's not me. And I have no interest in what's not me, <laughs> in most cases. So, therefore, all the thoughts about it, yeah, all the thoughts about self lost interest to me because they weren't about me either. Yeah? So I started having great relief from the cause and the effects by losing interest in it, only because I realized it wasn't me. So what happened is, I started to travel lighter. And I started, it was like an all-terrain traveling lighter. It's been lasting a long, long time. And it just keeps, it's sort of like electric and magnetism. They, They feed on each other. There's no beginning or end to electromagnetism. The electricity produced magnetism, magnetism produced electricity. They don't know where it ever began, and it does. It mostly goes on infinitely. 
That's what it's like. So when being is recognized as being, it keeps being. Yeah? It doesn't get frozen into a noun. Life is seen as happening, not to me, yeah, or to you. And then uh, you get freedom from the bondage of that idea called self. Yeah? And to me, you travel lighter every day. What more do you want? Yeah. You can't know the uh, being. You can't know the verb. The only way you know a verb is by being a verb yourself. You, a verb, it's like a noun would never recognize a verb. It can't, its comprehension is name and form. You cannot grasp what a verb is really. But a, you need a verb to know a verb. It's like you need an alcoholic to help an alcoholic. You need a verb to know a verb, yeah? <laughs> So as a noun, you're probably getting really frustrated on this search. Because it doesn't, I, I can smell it, I can taste that verbing, but it just doesn't seem to be verbing. Well, it doesn't seem to be verbing to the noun. That's all. You give up the noun, and then you realize it's all, all there is is verbing. Even the noun is verbing. It's called selfing. Yeah. That's also a verb. Everything here is a verb, in a sense. Because it's called being. It's not wasing or willing. It's being, yeah. It's a verb. So, It's ringing. Yes. Yes. Did you ever have bliss? Have you ever experienced bliss? Like a oh, very high joy? It's joying. It's not a noun. Everything worth knowing is unknowable in a sense. Everything known has been neutered from its what's worth knowing. I could say that's why I say I am, because I could say I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not beholden to either of them. Yeah, yeah, sure. So what's the problem? <laughs> Saying you are. The problem is when. You <laughs> See, the noun will try to look like a verb. Yeah, so now it will be a non-doing noun, where <laughs> it was a doing noun. It's all nouning. Forget about it. Yeah. Verbing is sloppy. Yeah. It laps over the banks. It doesn't it does a lot of you know that's funny to watch when people as a self want to try to get aligned with no self. Yeah, but there's a quality of selfing attempting to to uh, mimics no selfing. The whole point of it is to travel lighter to me. Truth doesn't need to know truth. It's already so. 
its truth is valuable where it's not being entertained, and this is a place that's not being entertained because we're not seeing its fruits here, in a sense. That's the only value to me. If, if traveling light has value where you can think you're traveling heavy. To me, that's what makes it so valuable. You know? So. Which one? <laughs> the last one. It's going to be hard to say because I didn't quite get it. Because you can fit your lighter because you think you're traveling heavier. No, 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 no. The only value traveling lighter has is where you think you can travel heavy. Yeah. In other words, truth. What's the point of knowing truth? Because you feel like you haven't been, you haven't known it, right? That's the only point. Truth doesn't need to be known. It never has needed to be known. But where we live in an assimilation or a, a projection of not knowing, it seems very valuable to know the truth. But once you hit the truth, you see it has no value whatsoever, except the living of it. You know? It's a verb. Verbing, 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 verbing. There's no place to rest your head. There's no place where the verb stops to become a noun, to have a verb, or to have a verb happen to it. People are waiting for something to happen to them as a noun. That's why they miss it so much. It's a happening now. It's not going to happen to you ever. Never. It's never going to happen to anyone, period. Because it can't. There's just verbing going on. There's nothing There's nothing that rose up and stopped in the verbing and said, okay, now verb happened to me. Oh, I've realized something. I woke up. No, there's just waking. There's just the act of waking. There's the verb of waking. Yeah? No, I wanted the waking. To, I want it to hit me like a shore. I want the, the ocean of wakefulness to hit me, the shore of knowing. Oh, now I know I'm awake. No, that's not it. Once you think you know you're awake, you're not, obviously. Because yeah? it's a verb. You can't, there's no, there's no rest area where you can have a vista of it. <laughs> it's in the seeing. It's a constant moving of seeing, 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 seeing. And it's relentless. It never takes a break. It's incessantly on. Incessantly on. There's no entrance point. There's no exit point. There's no way to, oh, it's slowing up, I can get on it now. No, there's none of that, because you've never been off it. <laughs> this is just an illusion of a noun. One verb thinking it's a noun, the verb of selfing. Yes? Isn't that? The I thought is a verb, it's a thought. Yeah? But it takes itself to be the noun, and now it says it has all the other thoughts. Hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching is conscious contact and seeing thoughts. Yeah? The conditioned head goes, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. So it claims everything conscious contact is providing, it claims to be the source of it or the recipient of it. That's the delusion. Yeah? You know how busy selfing has to be to claim 
all these moments of conscious contact. It's like conscious contact isn't coming in the one door, it's coming through six doors. So it's like, I, 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 me, me, my, 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 constantly. It's like a giant parakeet just going chirping all day. I, 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 oh, I, I, oh, I, I, me, me, my, my. So instead of having to do it with every thought, it has old ideas now or as beliefs where every thought is held as I'm the thinker of it. So it doesn't have to, because it's so busy at the other gates, you know what I mean? So I'm the thinker of it. Or they're about me. So those hold all the thoughts. He doesn't have to go, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking every thought, yeah? But that's the premise, is that it thinks it's the verb. It thinks it's doing the verb. It sees the hearing, which is a verb, as I'm the noun doing it. It sees the verb of thinking, thoughts being noted by consciousness, as I'm the thinker. So there's a part of the verb that has gotten up, let's say, and became a noun, and is claiming all the verbing of conscious contact as being somehow relevant in it all. Yes? Somehow you're written into the story as a person. And it's very subtle. It'll keep trying to write. Like, even the idea of being vigilant about this is a noun trying to write itself into the story of the verb. I, the noun, will be vigilant about watching the verbing. And just saying, I'm the verb, I'm the verb, I'm the verb, but no, 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 no. That's not it. Yeah? It's much more relaxed and easier than that. If it wasn't, it would suck. What do you want to fucking be vigilant about the truth for? <laughs> That's like a chore. It's not like a sentence. Oh no, I know the truth now. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. Do, do, do. No, it's a, it's a relaxation, a very deep relaxation. It's like... The way it's happening with me is not like, it's weird because my mind looks for particulars and the self-centered, you know, way of seeing, it's a way of looking actually, looks at particulars. What happened with me was just the whole room didn't change, but it just dropped about 10 feet. You just drop into these levels of relaxation that selfing cannot even imagine because it's the absence of that activity of selfing. And it's just, and the, and the selfing doesn't even know it. It has to, if it, it falls over it for a few months and recognizes, oh, I'm traveling lighter now. You know what I mean? But the traveling lighter's been going on for months. <laughs> and it's hilarious. You're totally out to lunch. Totally. <laughs> if you're in selfing, you're up the ass of self, really. And so you go to work, and you have to wait till your head to tell you how it was. Like, it tells you maybe at 9 o'clock at night you had a bad day. But weren't you at the day the whole time? You would think if you were conscious, you would have noticed it was bad. Why is it that we're totally out to lunch, and then 9 hours or 10 hours or 10 years or a lifetime later, the mind breaks the news to us? <laughs> Wouldn't you be, if you were actually conscious of the contact, you would probably have information downloaded, not through thought about what you were in contact with. Yeah? Much quicker than thought, because thought is on a time delay, because it's defined by time. Yeah? All thoughts have the ingredient of time in them, and they're on a time delay. There's a much quicker download of knowledge than thought. It comes right from the contact. Because what's being implied by whatever you're in contact with is the consciousness that's in contact with. And that's, you are that. You are what is the source and base of all contact, which is the consciousness. And there's a lot of damn good info on that little line, that little wire. Yes? 
You're in direct contact with what's happening instead of living an interpretation about what's happening from a very defined, very, very small, very, very incomplete system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. Which is the one of his major premises, you see everything is how it pertains to you. Yes? Every contact is rooted back into being reflecting self. Yes? So every contact that happens, the self claims it. So you believe it's like taking light and then attracting it by a, 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 a like a play of mirrors to fall on something you would not naturally go to. So the attention of your conscious contact, when it goes back to reflect on its own nature, which is that infinite, gets mirrored into self, selfing, selfing. So all that awareness and attention that you are gets now focused on one made-up conceptual point of mind called selfing, yes? And it's like all this incredible energy now is magnified by this this going to one point, selfing, and it creates incredible neuroses, if you ever notice. When people are so self-involved, they get fucking weird here. Extremely weird. They get some plastic surgery that just does not look good. <laughs> it's hard to break the news to them. It's freaking scary, pops and mom. They're not looking... You look like a walking drum or something. And you know, they've got like poodles that have a better, you know, death plan than I have. You know, mausoleum for their poodle. And things get out there. Because that energy going into this little hole of selfing can get really fucking weird. And it can get destructive and vindictive and angry and mean too. It, it's got a... It takes that energy of awareness and generates some incredible illusions. Yeah? Because you and I are meaning givers, and we are we can entertain. That's our. This is what this is. This thing, this apparatus, gives meaning to things. That's what it does. That's why it's called a subjective experience. Because you and I could have the same experience, but we give a different meaning to it, and the meaning overrides the experience usually. And the meanings override the contact. And they will not stop overriding contact until the biggest, oldest meaning is looked at, which is the idea of being a self. If you, that thing gets pulled, you'll lose interest in the whole system of self-centeredness. It's like your antenna is like uh, addicted to picking up one station, K-Paul, you know, all day. Listening everything about Paul all the time, 24-7. And that station, that antenna has the ability to pick up a lot of other frequencies. It's just like bonded to this one frequency because you identify as it. When that gets broken, you start picking up different information. And a lot of information now gets processed cleanly and you're not a storage unit anymore. You're traveling pretty light. Yes. That's why you feel heavy. Thousands of thoughts have been filed away in your little storage unit. Thoughts you wish you hadn't had, thoughts you wish you had more of, thoughts you had about people you feel bad about, all the guilt and shame you've acquired by thinking you were the doer of everything that happened to you. All of that stuff has to be stored somewhere. And it's usually stored in the body and dumped on other people. So, uh, if 
traveling lighter, you're not accumulating more and more stuff, but you're still carrying this stuff. How does that, how does that get shed? Well, I like body work, to tell you the truth. Physical work. I would never go through the mind. I'd go through the body. So. Not that there's anything you need to do, but if you find an urge and, and you know, a momentum, I, I would never go through the head for any sort of relief. Always go through the physicality. That's where most stuff is stored. This is just con- this is the producer, yeah. Process. If you're traveling lighter, but you're still carrying stuff, how does the stuff you're carrying manifest? How do you look there? Oh, you'll find it. You'll feel it when you're traveling lighter. Yes. You know, like it's so. It's like being like a nice sports car. When you take a turn. There'll be some a little bit of a hit, shoot, and you're all right there. So you get to know something's a little off. Could it also be, I like uh, to your question, because um, like two months ago, I just for one split second saw that there is no me. And, and I, I didn't think about it, like direct scene. And then I, like the next few days, I, I, I saw that I have no problems anymore. I have no emotional baggage anymore. I, I was so surprised because nothing happened. But it just dissolved. Nothing, nothing ever bothers me from that, that moment. <laughs> I really travel a lot. All right. Yes. It just like, it dissolved. Everything dissolved. That's the potential, but sometimes it doesn't always. Yeah, I, know, I don't know if, it, if it's going to last or if it's just preliminary step, but something happened that surprised me. Yeah. After 30 years of seeking and, you know, reading books and everything, just one split second of seeing, there is no. That's right. I've had some times where, you know, it's, it was, the mind was arduously working for 50 years to write a story and a nanosecond of light just erases it. Like, it was n- you don't even need an eraser because it was never even written on the board. It was just <laughs> gone. And when that happens, it obviously demonstrates it's unreality. Because if something seemed to be so much, it, would, it couldn't disappear in a nanosecond. There would have to be some kind of moving of it somewhere. <laughs> but it's not real. It just goes like that. It was yeah. never there. Hmm? Like it was never there, exactly. It's the same thing with a lot of experiences now. It's like nothing ever happened. Because the verbing, the mind wants to make past, quote-unquote, verbing nouns, yeah, as memories and stuff. And if you're a noun, that's a replica of a verb that you wish you were having again, let's say. But in the verbing, it's almost like one of those uh, sidewalks that are constantly moving, or a walking sidewalk. It's like you, you just, it, there's never a stop. You're just verbing, 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 verbing. And the verbing itself is so engaging that you don't get, you know, memories. It doesn't matter if, like, I had a good time or not in Toronto, because I, don't, I won't have any memory of it when I go to New York tonight. It just won't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. So you always, you, it's like every flight you take every day and night, you always have just, you know, carry on. That's it. <laughs> you don't have any baggage. <laughs> You're traveling very light. <laughs> Do you have anything to check? No. <laughs> anything to claim? No. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Traveling Mr. Light, Mr. Heaven. That's fine. That's good. Cool. That's good. What happened in Toronto? I have no idea. So <laughs> when I came here, they asked me what I was doing here. It was funny. 
I said, why? I said, I didn't have any, I don't know anyone. I just had his name in a book. They go, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't know, really. <laughs> I said, no, that's not a good enough answer. I said, oh, uh, I'm going to give a spiritual talk to some people. And they said, do you know him? No, I don't. <laughs> are you getting paid for? I said, I hope they donate something. <laughs> and they said, I said, just look at Zen Bitch Slap. That's my, uh, email, my website. They started laughing when I said that. And they let me in. You know, I said, just Zen Bitch Slap will explain everything. Just go to that. <laughs> See, knowing traveling light sucks if you're not. Literally. Knowing about traveling light sucks if you're not traveling light. That's what happens with some people. They get this knowledge of non-duality, but it's actually become another bag for their head to be poking its head in. It sucks. I'd forget it. Go help someone. Go out skating or something. Do something. Don't keep poring over books or anything. It'll just drive you more and more crazy. Maybe it'll be helpful. I don't know. I'm just my opinion. You know, for me, if it doesn't translate into an ease and comfort here, it doesn't really have any value. You know? The best some people get to be is right. They think they know they're right about something, but how much value is that? It should be an ease and comfort, yes. Well, no, it seems like a nice effect. And I like that thing about Jesus purportedly saying, you know, you'll know the tree by the fruit. you know the tree. You can't know the tree. But you can know it by its fruits. If you're traveling light for a while, some things will be intimated to you. You'll get a sense of something. But you don't get it like reading a book. It's just traveling as that. And then traveling as that, there's some information that does arise at times. And uh, you get a sense of something going on. You can't get it, but you intimate it. There's a strong intimation. And it's almost as if it's a force behind you. Yeah. It'll never allow you to turn back and see it because it's not there. But it's uh, and then that's the faith to me. There's no need to turn back and try to know it or see it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But it's like a wind in a sail in a sense, and it just motor. You feel this sense of being going on, and then all the particulars sort of come and go. They they sort of blow away, but that sense doesn't blow away. It's just like the strong undercurrent of your days now. Yeah. It has no beginning or end to it. You can't call it Tuesday or Friday. And you can't, it's not like a peak or a, or a that. It's just a, like almost like a never-ending hum. Almost like, with all the other noises coming and going, but there's this one solid note that seems to never end or never begin. Yeah, it's nice to have your, like, your track aligned as that, you yeah? So when you, you know, it's like what I always wanted, but, it, you know, I, the way I wanted things, I could never have captured this, yeah? There was wants in there, and the, but the way I wanted was the deterrent from them ever coming into fruition, yeah? Like, my, the way I was wanted to embrace truth can't embrace what's already so. So, if you keep into trying to get something as a selfing, it's going to be very frustrating for the self. And that's another way for it to stop. You know, you just get exhausted and something collapses and then the obvious is seen to be obvious. And it's always been that way, obviously. So. 
Any questions today? Oh, you mean, oh, the, those little time realms. All right, yeah, sure. I can't explain it. I, I'll draw a picture of it. So, in selfing, obviously, most people in selfing live in what's not happening. Yeah? First of all, they're living as what's not happening, which is a long-lasting independent separate entity. But this gives you permission to go to the other realms where what's not happening really thrives in, which is what's not happening, a future and past realm. Yeah? So most people are thinking about what's not happening, like next Friday or Monday. And they have predictions about what's going to happen and what's not happening to them. And anything can happen and what's not happening. So you can sit, be sitting here right now, and there's no threat right now. Yeah. It's pretty relaxing, a beautiful house, fans going. But you may be flipping out because you're not actually responding to what's happening. You're reacting to what's not happening. Your head, your thoughts are like a magic carpet that you keep riding and they keep you taking you to the past and the future. So here in what's not happening, anything can be happening. And I can have cancer in what's not happening. Very easily. And I can be destitute from what's not happening. My girlfriend in California can be having animal sex with some my best friend in what's not happening. I better call her after the talk. Sure. I now ask her where she's been. Look at the surveillance camera. Okay? So a lot of stuff can happen in what's not happening. Almost anything can. Whatever your imagination can entertain. And... The imagination under the tutelage of selfing is usually, I'd say maybe 15% like uh, balmy and about 85% bleak. Yes? <laughs> Tense don't go that way. And like if you want to take a little diagnostic test, look at your head. When things get good, how long does it enjoy it? Before it says, I'm a fraud, or I don't deserve this, or they're going to find out, or it's got to end soon, and when is it going to end? Come on, I'm sick of this being so good. But the same head, if it's going bad, the same head going bad, you believe it's going to last forever. So it shortens the good in this life of interpretation and elongates the bad. Do you want that to manage the show for you? Do you want that to be the interpreter of life? That representative? That's going to dice and partition and just elongate, quote-unquote, bad and shorten every good. You're going to be an unhappy camper here. <laughs> Big time. You'll be right about a lot of things and alone. <laughs> usually what I find you have with that mind. So, yeah, so what's not happening, anything can happen. So, Unfortunately, to us, the brain and the body are very, you know, obviously very connected. And so, the body reacts to the brain as if it's so. Yeah? So when the brain's making up what's not happening, the body is reacting to it as if it's happening. So that's why you can be flipping out right here in this room with no apparent threat in the room to cause you to flip out because you're reacting to the mind that believes what's not happening is more real than what's actually happening. Yes? And that is the realm of selfing. The realm of selfing doesn't want to be found right where it is, because if it is, it's not there. <laughs> selfing doesn't appear in the movie now. <laughs> it's always in the, the prologue 
and then the future part of the movie. <laughs> so, what's not happening causes us to be unconscious to what's happening, obviously. Because we're reacting to what's not happening, and the poor body's reacting to what's not happening as if it's happening. So, most of us who are in... There's a very big, important line to, to see that fear and anxiety are two different products. Yeah? Fear is a product that happens in what's happening. Yeah? If something occurs right now, someone pulled out a gun, fear would ha- happen with us, and we would take either flight, or I'd pick a baby up and <laughs> protect me from it. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd never be invited back to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, Michael, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still wouldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah? Take flight or fight, yes? But what most people are actually having is anxiety. They're not having fear. Yeah. So the mind produces anxiety in what's not happening. Because obviously there's no threat here. So if you're flipping out, you must be reacting to something that's not here. That's defined as what's not happening. <laughs> so what's not happening is like a giant fertile field for a crop called anxiety. <laughs> and the selfing is a very good farmer. It's like a marijuana farm. It's got big, good buds, man. It's, it's been grooming these dead plants for years, producing tons of anxiety out of no soil whatsoever. That's what an amazing thing it is. So it's producing, and when you smoke these things, man, they got a kick, man. You're fucking out to lunch. <laughs> but that what's not happening is downloading into us, yes? That what we call us because there's an identification as the body, and the body is reacting as if what's not happening is happening. And therefore, it seems like you have to get a real solution to really an imaginary problem. <laughs> Because it's not happening. <laughs> That's okay, really. That's the greatest solution of all, is to realize it's not happening. But you can't seem to realize it's not happening as a self. Because the self and what's not happening are symbiotically connected. The self needs what's not happening to appear as a self. That's where it, that's where it gets its big holographic production, is from the past and the future. So it ain't willing to give up that. So you have to now deal with that unbearability of all that stuff being generated in you, and then you try to find solutions to it here to an imaginary problem. That's why solutions don't work. If you apply a a solution to an imaginary problem, there won't be any relief. The only solution is to recognize it's imaginary. And what I'm saying here, instead of trying to recognize the thousands of problems that are generated from the self-centeredness, just see that self, put your attention there, and just see if it's you or not. If it's not you, all of its effects will lose their power over you, because it's the source of it all. Yeah? It's the source of the, self, the solutions and the problems in self-centeredness. It's not the effect of one or the other. It's the source of both. The problems and solutions are both bogus. That's why people are seeking and it's not fucking working. Because there's nothing to get out of. Literally. There's nothing to get out of. So any effort to get out of it, know how, how sophisticated or sublime or crude it is, will fail because you're not in it. You're not in it. That's the solution. The best way to be out of anything is to realize you were never in it. That's the immediate release. 
Everything else is in time and process, yeah? If you believe you're in it, then you're going to have to do and have yourself to get out of it. That's called self-centeredness. That's the process most people practice spirituality under. And spirituality is about beingness, I believe, I feel. And therefore, that mechanism does cannot be applied to what is being. Because a noun can't do and have itself into being. It's impossible. All the doing and all the having done by a quote-unquote noun will never turn the noun into a verb. Because yeah? it is a verb, period. It's a recognition of something, that's all. And so you've just been served a spiritual subpoena, and there you go. My job's over. Any questions? Uh, Shit. The monster that lives in our basement, which is the reason why my daughter won't go down there by herself, um, she knows that it's not there. She tells me, of course there's no monster in the basement. But every time I go down there, I think about the monster that could be there. And that's why I'm not going, Mom, so you can go get the jam or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's very plain and simple to her. So why should I even try to attempt to talk with her about a monster that she doesn't know exists, that she knows doesn't exist? Uh, yet every, But it, it becomes a problem for me because uh, I, I, you know, I can't always go down there, for example, and get what I need. Or, and, I, and it seems like a problem because she's got this fear that's not real. Well, why don't you go to the verbing, you see? Because the, the thinking about the monster is causing her to believe there's a noun. So don't go to the noun about there is no monster. Just maybe question, just show her her thinking. She's wiser than us, I'm young kid. Do that. I don't know how to do that. Well, see that there's only, a, there's only the thinking of the monsters she's afraid of, obviously, because she knows there isn't any monster there. So she's afraid of the thinking of the monster. Isn't she? Yeah, that's what, and she's said that. She's huh. articulated that to me. So. But she still won't go down. Well, I would say if you introduce that to it, it may change. Because she'll get tired of the thinking about the monster. So that's what's not here. The, yeah, what's not here is the monster. Yeah. The thinking about it is happening and what's happening. But what we're atten- where our attention goes is into the noun, that verbing of what's not happening occurs and makes up what's happening, yeah, out of what's not happening. You see, it's all verbing, but the head and self in makes them into nouns. Yeah? So let's say if you're thinking fearful thoughts, so what? That's when it makes the fear. When the fearful thoughts make a noun called fear, then you're in fucking trouble, aren't you? It's fearing, it's not fear. It's fearing, so anxiety. It's not fear. There's no thump. Fear is a fear is an, is another thing. It's like a we call something that isn't a noun a noun. It's not a noun. Where's fear? Show me it. Show me this. Oh, I got some right here. This bag. This is some fear in here. Quarter <laughs> ounce of fear. Have you seen it? It's pretty good. 20 bucks a lid or something. There's no fear. There's no noun called fear. It's a verb. See, and a verb, 
comes and goes. Nouns have a tendency to stay. Yes? When you see something as a verb, the possibility of it going is very easily entertained. When you see it as a noun, you think it's going to be there a long time. You've got to watch the head. It's making nouns out of verbs. Yes? So you feel bad, it becomes a depression. So now that verb of feeling bad that day now becomes a noun called depression. That's what it does. That's what selfing does. Yeah? It's an illusion. It's a stream of verb that creates an illusion of nouns. That's what it is. Everything's a verb. If you see that existence is being, how can there be any nouns in being? It's all verbs. Being is a verb. There's no divine being which would make being a noun. That's what we do. People forget the sense of being by making it a divine being that is definitely different than them. Then they try to worship the divine being. Yes, as a noun. That's why the saviors, there's no saviors. Yes. That's what's not happening. You that, worship what's not happening. That's right. So you want a savior, a noun, to save you. But saving is a verb that's available at all times. It's your life. That's how you can actually live here, as if you're saved. Because saving is going on. Yes. It's, watch it. The head makes nouns out of verbing. Verbing have a tendency to come and go. That's what they do. A thought is a verb. That's why it comes and goes. We try to make it a noun. Yes? I had that thought, and I can't keep thinking about it. And then that thought becomes a solid noun. Yes? And then the sense of being is dismissed, and now you're just a, a curator of nouns you've collected. I know this, I have this, this is that, this is this, this and that. And it's that knowing I just read about is what's killing you. You only know, The way you know a verb is different, you know a verb by, let's say, rolling with it. Like, a, to me, a wave is a verb. I know that experience of a wave by riding it. That's how I know it. I don't know it by studying it and looking and trying to make it into a noun. Once you stop the wave, it's not a wave anymore. Yes? Once you, okay, let's freeze that wave. I want to study that wave. That's not a wave. A wave is an experience of riding, yes, if you're a surfer. It's, it's, that's it. It's a sense of beingness. It's, everything is being. Everything is verbing. The head wants to make it a noun so we can know it and feel safe about it. Because verbing scares the living bejesus out of self-centeredness. Verbing is scary as hell to self-centeredness. Self-centeredness wants to know things, and it tends to security as things, and solid, and this is real. Verbing doesn't play that game. It's just verbing. It's like, either ride, or, yeah, ride or try to become a noun, in a way. You know? caught up in this noun and verb thing up here. I don't know what it is, but I've seen a nice picture with it, so I'm going to keep going with it. Because it's actually a nice way, it's a flavorful way of holding it for me. I was going to say it's a nice way of expressing hmm? It's a nice way of expressing Yes, it. yes, it's a flavor. I like the flavor. So. But watch, the head does want to make nouns out of it, but it's a verb nonetheless. It's a verb being manipulated to seem like a noun. To who? You. Without to you, it wouldn't ever... Beingness never gets confused about beingness. Yeah? 
Bro, come to AA. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Get a sponsor and get a commitment as soon as you can. Sure. You become a part of us. You don't want to go back into that hell. No, no. Please. Yeah. Do, you, uh, do you meditate or do you see any value in it? I see a lot of value in it if you think it has value. Yeah. I feel meditated most of the time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I sit today, I did. But I don't call it meditation because there's no, obviously there's no person to meditate. So meditation is verb, and then another verb, verbs with a verb, and there you go. A lot of verbing happens. <laughs> but if you find it valuable in your state, a little quiet may do really well in your head. You know? Because that head is, this is a vicious parasite. I've been in recovery for 21 years now. Don't underestimate it. It's a nasty mother. And you don't, it's not nice. It, it's going to, it's going to be very hostile to you. When, if it's, if, if it's, ta- if it's, has you for transportation, it's going to run you into the ground, big time, as this apparatus. Yeah. Yeah. I get on it, seriously. Like, I go to AA meetings twice a week. Yeah. I like the presence I feel, though. Yeah. It's my tribe. That's where I came from. Yeah, it's nice. You go to an AA meeting or whatever. Just like this, there's a sense of presence in the room. We have a beautiful statement about it. It says, there's a loving God. Yes? It's in our tradition five, I think. It's a loving God is expressing himself through our group conscience. It's beautiful. So when we get together, something demonstrates itself. We call it a loving God that manifests or gets magnified by our group conscience. So we're sitting here so you feel present. I... You sense something, like an atmospheric thing, yeah, don't you? I get that all the time in AA, when I go. Yeah. yeah it's nice. Nice feeling. Oh, the eye is just a noun appearing in verb. The eye is a verb that appears as a noun. It's appearing as a noun. But it's not the, a noun. The eye is a thought, yes? So there's a thought. The thought of I... It's like a, it's a verb, right? A thought appears, and it comes and go, and it becomes the noun that has all the other thoughts now, or says, I'm the thinker of them, or they're about me. Yeah? But it's the same, same. It's just a verb, in a sense. I call it selfing. There's no self to me. There's selfing. It's a mental verb. Yeah? The mind's selfing all day, because there's so many gaps where the free sample's available, and selfing. Selfing is, is an incredible yeoman's job to cover up, which is, cannot be covered up, which is the reality of being. Yeah? It's a very, that, so it has to self, so there's a lot of gaps where you get free samples. Like, like they say, between every thought, there's the gap of that pause, yeah? So the selfing is a verbing that creates an illusion of being a noun. That's how I see it. The belief, hmm? the belief appears and makes it... Yeah. It's like the verb gets solidified. It's verbing, 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 and the illusion is it conjures up a sense of being a noun. You become identified as that. Now all the verbing is seen as being done to you, or you're doing it, and so on and so forth. Now the doer and haver arises, and then the identification of every conscious contact. I'm hearing, I'm seeing, I'm feeling, and you're not saying it anymore. That's the condition you're in. You're in a relationship, the hearing is, I'm the hearer of it. You're in the relationship with thinking, I'm the thinker of it. Don't tell me you're not, because you are usually. People are in the relationship of, I'm hearing it, I'm feeling it, I'm tasting it, I'm touching it. They're not saying it every time there's a taste husk. 
but that's the underlying assumption. You can sense it. So there's constant claiming of conscious, conscious contact. You're the conscious contact, not a thought that has claimed the conscious contact. Yes? You're that conscious contact. How could you not be? It's the basis of all your little pantomimes of being a self. Without that illumination, there's no stage for you to even arise in and appear as. Yes? So obviously it's the mother and father of it all. It's the source of it all. Yeah. And then blue becomes blue, and red, you know, things become obvious. You start seeing clearer. Because you can see, I'll get into one little more thing. There's a lot of ways of looking here. Like, AA is a way of looking, the correct, the way of looking of extreme self-centeredness is called addiction or alcoholism. And it's a very damn good pair of glasses. It can correct the distorted lens of self-centeredness that are in that vein of alcoholism and addiction. Yeah? But it is a way of looking. And to me, AA is an incredible way of looking because it actually, if entertained, can lead to freedom from any way of looking. Where self-centeredness binds you and there's an identification as that. You don't see it as a pair of glasses, yes? You think that's the way you're looking. Yeah? But the you're looking is part of the self-centeredness. There's not there's not a you're that's looking the wrong way. You're looking is the the problem, yeah? The you're is the wrong way, not the looking. So there's the looking, then we put on the AA glasses and we get some relief. From that old way of looking. Then now people are looking for new ways of looking, yes? Buddhism, let's say, or Kabbalah, or Advaita. But the thing is, in a sense, all ways of looking promote blindness in a way. Because there's a natural seeing that gets commandeered because the head calls seeing looking when it's the self that claims the seeing. When the self claims to see, it now becomes looking. Because the self constantly is looking for. Yes? Because it's seeking, 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 seeking. Incessantly seeking. Incessantly seeking. Yeah? So, I believe, to me, humbly, and there's nothing wrong with ways of looking if there's a, a formal way of looking that's kicking your seeming ass. Yeah? <laughs> I would get a way of looking that helps that. But I would hope that it would lead to you entertaining the natural seeing. Yeah? So that you realize every form of looking, in a way, is sort of... They all come from the optometrists of self-centeredness, in a sense. All ways of looking are in the optometrists of self-centeredness. And seeing is beyond self-centeredness. It's not, it's not a product of self-centeredness that needs to be corrected or added onto. It is seeing, naturally relaxed seeing. Yes, consciousness is relaxed. It's not concentrated. It's relaxed and it spreads out. It doesn't really focus so much like that. It spreads. It's like a wide lens. Yes. So you're walking. There's a lot of. There's a large aperture. So you get the sense of seeing. Looking is directed usually. Yes. It's got an idea and a goal. Seeing is just seeing. There's no. There's no intent in it really. It's just seeing. Yes, and it's very relaxed. It's, if it starts feeling like it's getting focused, no, I jump off that boat. So is this kind of what Denise was dealing with in a way? And I, and I think of it because a moment ago, what you were saying 
sort of resonated over here, and I and I could feel some like kind of relaxation in my body, and then almost when I looked at it, almost instantly, it sort of I felt felt it tighten up again. And and I thought of Denise when she was saying yesterday that she could see see herself moving from seeing to looking, seeing to looking. It's like I don't want to, I'm, my mind is starting to turn that into this. This is like this battleground, you know, where no. where seeing no. and and no. looking are fighting it out. You know, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna win? You're not for sure. You're on both losing sides. <laughs> no. Yeah, see, that thing, you know, maybe, seriously, go help somebody. Don't be so keen on this topic, really. Really, you may, to me, humbly, you may be over-investigating uh, it. It's much more looser fit. It's meant to be, I feel, functional. It allows you freedom out here. It's not a topic you have to be engaged with a lot. Yes, you are it. It's about, all right, now I'm going to start participating with others. Maybe I'm conditioned as this to help people, and I'll do that, or whatever it may be. But, you know, there'll be callings that will lead you as this. You know, it's like a, it's like a viable freedom. Yeah? Yeah, I, I related to what Chuck was saying yesterday. so many things that I was interested in. But my interests have gone into into the whole Advaita and non-duality and, and, and all this reading and I can't in all the listening. Go help all, somebody. Go out and help somebody. Seriously. Do some service. Yeah. It's selfing again. Selfing can get... Advaita is a field day for selfing. Because now it can act like it's not a self. Oh, fuck. It loves it. No, if he gets too much, help somebody. Don't be concerned. You know, volunteer at the soup kitchen or something. Like Seriously. Yeah. And you'll see it in action instead of trying to see it as a noun, you know, or something to study. You'll see it in action. You'll travel lighter. And that's the, that's the greatest scripture. You don't have to read scriptures. You're the scripture. You're a living scripture. The light is illuminating. That's more than, that's better than any pale reflection of an old light you're reading about. That old light came and went, maybe, years and years ago, or a year ago, or ten years ago, or two thousand years ago. But you're that light. Yeah. But it, it's not, it, it's, it's hard to handle as a noun. It's got, it's, it's supposed to, it's active, yes, it gets used, it gets, runs around, does things, maybe. And it's okay to pour over books and stuff, but if, when it gets a little too much, just get out of it. Walk a dog or something. Take a walk. You know, watch a good movie, good horror movie. That will get you out of it. <laughs> Whatever. Just do something unusually different. Yeah. Seems like the root, uh, the, the root of it is I'm a person with a problem that needs fixing, and so there needs to be a solution to that fixing. That The whole world of that is the conflict in itself, which is not here. Hallelujah. <laughs> and also, you're, the problem is, then there's the person that doesn't have a problem, but that's also it. 
Anytime there's a person involved. So there were these kids walking home from the school bus the other day, and one of them said, sucks to be you. You'll find in a weird way, I don't know, I found in a way, whatever's happening, I don't know. But it's, when you realize you're not an individual, you become more of one here yeah. in the appearance. It's a blast, really. Yeah, really all the little, it's all totally unencumbered now. <laughs> it's not like you become a non-person. You never were a person. Therefore, you know, it's, it's not what I thought it would be when I was reading the books and stuff. It's not the way it is. It's much more relaxed and chilled out. Yeah, You just travel lighter. And in the traveling lighter, that's like the siren song of the spirit, in a sense. You just keep... It's like, it's like a living, singing scripture, in a way. You're just walking around, and then the, the beauty of it is revealed by the beauty of it. Yeah. It's cool. Yes. Um, yeah, the past couple of days I've been in that, and it's a familiar pattern. I'm just wondering, is there anything that you... It just seems like it almost has to be... Um, almost like it has to be dying out by itself. No, help someone. Yeah. Do some service. Seriously. You'll get, it'll stop almost immediately. What about hobbies? Hobbies, yeah. Hobbies are great. If you have something you really like, follow that bliss like Joseph Campbell said. But really, if it seems to be like too much, if you really attend to something else that serves someone else, you'll lose interest in it. It's a very, it's a, I found it's a very strong magnet. When you seem like you're really seemingly stuck, if you just, if your attention leaves you and goes to someone else, let's say, you know, you're just helping someone across the street or you're working at the soup kitchen or whatever maybe, you know, then that all that attention that was festering on the problem you think you have goes. And now that attention frees up and you feel a whole lot better and you hadn't did it, you didn't do anything. You didn't have to study or meditate. You just helped another person that doesn't seem doing that well. Maybe not in your own family or anything, because usually there's too many bonds going on. But like a, someone a stranger. Service has been offered thousands of years for a reason. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very good way to get out of what you you think you're in. I'm not saying you're in it because you're not, but you can get out of what you think you're in. Pretty easy, I find. Like I did it for these years. I found I had a good sample of it. In recovery, we have a thing where we call them hospital and institution meetings, where you go into an institution. Once a month. Everyone, they, they go in every week, but you have a commitment to go in once a month. And so I went, I had a commitment for 11 years to go into this place in San Francisco, which was the lowest rung of, uh, of that game, in a sense. It was a detox that the first floor just had mattresses. So if you just wanted to dry out, they'd let you sleep there. If you wanted to maybe look into getting help, there was an upstairs where they had beds and everything. So we had a meeting upstairs, one, and I mean, it was really down and out, this place. And we'd have a meeting, every, I'd go every, the last Wednesday of the month, for 11 years upstairs, and it didn't matter what condition you were in, 
no matter what was driving you, totally insane and grabbing all of your attention as a self, after 10 minutes or less of an hour meeting, you'd have total gratitude. You'd just be almost crying because you would see, you know, there was there's just a whole lot to be grateful for. That would be the expression of the experience. And it never failed. It went worked for 11 years. I just gave it up because it was some time for someone else to do it. Yeah, it had my fill. I don't have to keep doing it. So you give it up to someone else. So then again, have that experience. Because gratitude is not a common quality in selfing. It's not. Selfing always wants more or thinks it's getting cheated or somehow... In self, really, you drop self-centeredness or alcoholism into heaven, it's hell in a day. It will just give heaven a meaning of being hell. It's just that powerful. Yeah? And one of the things it lacks is any sense of gratitude. Self-centeredness has very little gratitude, usually, in that system. So this was an experience I would constantly get grateful for, grateful for, grateful for. No matter how bad it was in my head, those, I had maybe a whole swarm of flies flying in there. And I'd been trying to watch movies or talk it out with people and think about it. And it just got, the buzz got worse and worse. I just go to this meeting, 10 minutes, I was almost crying in tears and just walked out. I was like a new man. Every freaking time, every time, it never failed. Never failed. Over 21 years now, never failed. So I've noticed here that maybe people could just get out and be of service. They probably feel a lot better than they do. This break is going to be the end of the break, so I don't, that's it, right? I don't care. Do you have another question? But yeah, we can take it. You want to take a break, everyone? All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I'm so happy about that little thing. That's great, Dave. Oh, there is some really nice food in there. <laughs>